Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Public Sector Marketing Show podcast, fast becoming one of the hottest marketing tactics available to you. So I want you to ask if you're going to go all in with podcasting in 2021. Did you know that it's becoming mainstream? 70% of the US population have listened to a podcast in the last month. Online audio is also growing in popularity as the social networks step in to the audio content features this year. I'm predicting that 2021 is going to be the year of speech content. So coming up, on the show, why podcasting can be a valuable part of your digital marketing strategy, your podcasting checklist, and how to get to the top of the podcast charts. I interview Ruth Rogers and Jane McKim, joint heads of communication at the Southern Health Trust in Northern Ireland, who recently launched a podcast, much to the delight of their staff and external audiences. In today's column, I'm talking about the role of podcasting in trust communications. Now, this podcast is about marketing, right? And in the main, digital marketing. But have you thought about trust marketing and trust communications? The three factors for success online is know, like, and trust. And for me, podcasting ticks all of those marketing boxes. So you might be asking, I'd love to do a podcast, Joanne. How do I do it? Is it worth the effort? Listen to the end of the show, and I hope by the end of the show, you will be convinced. I would say that podcasting provides a great return on investment, both for time, but also for money. Podcasting has high repurposability, so you can reuse a lot of the content without losing the singular message. The other thing that I would say about podcasting is that when somebody subscribes to your podcast, even think about your own podcasting behavior and when you're looking through apps. But when somebody subscribes, they actually immediately become part of your tribe because podcasting is a very authentic, it's a very intimate form of communication and you can hear the emotion behind the voice. Also for you guys, it's an opportunity to control a conversation. And that doesn't mean spin a conversation. It means it's in a controlled and a safe environment where you're likely to be able to convince subject matter experts and leaders within your organizations to tell their story, to share their knowledge and to impart it in this way through the medium of podcasting. The other thing that I would say about the power of podcasting for public sector is that it really goes deep into topics. More and more people are tuning into podcasts for that very reason. They're getting the soundbite on social, they're reading the headline, but they wanna go deep into the topic. And it's not a myth that we are a nation of just clickbait clickers. We are a nation and a global population of informed citizens who are making decisions more and more based on the information that we're searching on the internet or that we're being exposed to on social media. So think about 
what other trust communications methods that you have in your toolbox. And then if you do have a gap, then absolutely consider introducing a podcast. And we're going to hear from some new podcasters later in the show. Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. So in today's consulting section, I'm going to get you started with podcasting. But if you're podcasting already, maybe you'll get some nuggets of gold in this section also. So let me give you some tips and tricks as a seasoned podcaster and also broadcaster. The first thing that you want to think about is what is the why of your podcast? Why are you setting it up and who is it going to serve? Of course, it's going to serve your organization and its message, but you really have to think about the audience. And I often say to my clients and to my students, would you ever consider going niche? Is there a hard to reach or a minority audience that you can't get access to? Is a podcast a good idea for them? But first of all, establish your why and establish who the audience is. The next thing that you want to think about is format and frequency. If you listen to podcasts, you will understand that they come in different shapes and sizes and different formats. People have solo podcasts. I mix this podcast up between solo interviews and panel conversations. Um, I also break my podcast into segments. So I have my intro, my outro, Joanne's column that primes the show, consulting, and then I have the case studies or the interviews. So you have to decide what format your podcast is going to take. And then it's about frequency. So, you know, people on radio always show up. You rarely turn the dial or turn on your radio or tap your smart speaker and you have dead air. So if you're going to go into podcasting, frequency is very important. Might not be enough to have a once a month podcast. You know, that's only 12 a year. Ideally, if you want to build a tribe, a strong listenership and a loyal audience, you want to have a more frequent show. I would really suggest that you go for weekly. Another tip when you're trying to manage frequency, especially if it is going to be a weekly episode, think about batch producing your podcast. Podcasting is the type of content that you can pre-record um, and you can batch produce. So for example, like I batch produce all of my monthly shows in one sitting because it's a good spend of my time and I'm good at planning and I'm great at processes. The other thing that you want to think about then is branding. Branding is really important. You've got audio branding and you have visual branding. I want you, after you finish listening to my podcast and to my show, I want you to go to your favorite podcast platform and I want you to have a look at the logos of the podcasts that you see. And you will see that there might be some consistency in terms of the podcast. Very often organizational podcasts will have a name that suggests what it's doing. Other podcasts where the host is the brand, 
it's usually their name is in that title. So think about the logo and the visual branding because the podcast platforms will require that off you. So have a look at others for some creative ideas. The next thing you need to think about is audio branding because of course this is an audio piece of content. You're going to have to have your own jingles, your own intro, your bed music, your outros, maybe section jingles. Um, And you can do that by hiring somebody who's involved in radio production or podcast production. One tip here, make sure that your audio is licensed to you and it is royalty free. Um, Have some fun with that. The creative process in setting up a podcast is a lot of fun. Then you want to think about the pillar messages that are going to appear in your podcast. So for me, I think about strategy, I think about marketing tactics, and I also think about work plans and work processes. Those three pillar messages are very, very important to you, my audience. And so when I'm planning my episodes, and I usually plan my episodes for every quarter, so I'm usually preparing 10 to 12 show themes and then batch producing every month. And so I always think about my pillar messages and I also think about what is trending. I might also crowdsource ideas for my podcast as well. Then you've got to line up your guests. And what I would really love to see you doing is start from the inside. This is a great way to get the subject matter expertise out to the public in a medium that is very accessible, but also very comfortable for your subject matter experts who might be allergic to video, allergic to live streaming, and just allergic to all of that uh, flashy lights and the red live button. But I think a conversation with a colleague um, and the mic really isn't in your face. It's, It's not that intimidating. That can be a really great way to get important content out in the public domain. The next thing that you need to think about is hosting and syndication. So you hear me mention, you know, subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And there are multiple podcast platforms from Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeart, Acast. There are lots of podcasting networks where you can distribute your podcast. Um, So you need to have it hosted and you need to get it syndicated at the same time across all of those podcast networks. My favorite tool for that is Captivate.fm, set up by the guys in Rebel Media in Manchester. They were seasoned podcasters like me and they knew uh, all the challenges they had with putting a podcast together. So Captivate.fm does a lot of the groundwork for you, does hosting, syndication, it does marketing, it does analytics, and it also does optimization. So that's my next point. How do you optimize and how do you get found in the podcast charts? And if you want to get to the top of the podcast charts, here is my hack for that. If you're launching a podcast or indeed launching a new series or a season of podcasts, what you do is you launch them all in one go. So maybe you have 20 episodes and you publish them all in one go do your SEO keywords, do your optimization um, and do a big marketing launch around it and you might find yourself top off the charts. Then you want to think about 
promotion and marketing. And that's really, really important. Don't host a podcast, do all the work. And then when you get it out, you think your job is done. Make sure that you put in the effort and repurpose audio content. You can see what I do with this podcast. It starts as a video. So you might be listening, but guys, we're in a studio and we're actually broadcasting this as video on Facebook and YouTube as well. Why do I do that? Because of the repurposable opportunity that allows me to reach mass audiences across multiple channels. Then you want to have a look at your analytics. How is your podcast performing? Who is listening on what podcast channel and on what device? And where in the world are they beaming in from? There are lots of podcasting analytics platforms. And of course, Spotify and iTunes and Google Podcasts will give you uh, their own analytics. I use Captivate.fm because it gives me a combination of numbers and metrics from all of those channels. So there's my checklist. I've also trained a number of people on how to launch a public sector podcast. So if you're interested, let me know. But that's enough from me for now. I want you to hear from Ruth and from Jane, who have a great case study to share with you. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. So in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by two powerful women working in healthcare communications. We have Ruth Rogers and Jane McKim, who are joint head of communications at the Southern Health Trust in Northern Ireland. They job share. Ladies, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. We're talking about podcasting. And the first thing that I want to know is, and, and Jane, I'll put this question to you. Where did the inspiration or motivation or idea for a podcast come from? Uh, to be honest, it's quite mundane. Um, I like podcasts. I'd listen to them all the time. And of course, in public sector communications, we're always looking for a new way to do things. Um, and reaching large, large numbers of very diverse staff is, is a really difficult thing to do. Um, so I, I mean, we have a notice board up in the office here, which I can see here, and it says podcast on it. And I have left it there deliberately because it was like a thought process and Ruth's smiling because she knows. But so we had written it up as a thing that we, yes, we think we'd like to do, but we had no idea how we would do it and what we would do. Um, and we tossed it about and hadn't really come to any conclusions. And then, and then the pandemic happened and suddenly, and suddenly the whole thing just opened up. So from a concept to something we'd like to do to something actually we I think we knew we needed to do, there it was, and, and off we went, and we'd never really looked back. And it's quite interesting that that's a trend in public sector communications, that COVID sort of parachuted comms teams and organisations into a place of agility and speed and transformation almost overnight and perhaps let's face it if, if we weren't living in a pandemic maybe you wouldn't have the podcast now but it's time to move over to you Ruth and um, this is where the story then then develops so the idea of the podcast the pandemic comes 
what was the next steps that happened? Well, you're absolutely right, Joanne. Whenever the pandemic happened, our staff, of whom there are almost 14,000, were suddenly dispersed all over the place. They're in their attics, their kitchens, their, their living rooms, and we had to find a new way, an additional way on top of all of the products we already have, but another way to communicate with, with them. And that word podcast was still up on our notice board in the office, and we thought, right, we're going to have to do it. And I'm going to be honest with you, it was a bit rough and ready. We bought a cheap mic. And we installed uh, an app on our, our desktop and away we went. And I'm afraid that was as technical as it was then. But that, I think, is what's brilliant about a podcast. We didn't need huge, um, high-priced uh, tech equipment to do it. We could just get started. And one of the things with COVID um, when it arrived, we had to be able to communicate changes to staff. And the, the difficulty with COVID was... The, the guidance was changing so rapidly, particularly with things like PPE and personal protective equipment. And you'd have one set of guidelines one week and then as more information came to light, those guidelines would change. And so the podcast became one of the key mechanisms that enabled us to continually update staff and provide very complex information and to give a more in-depth look at it than you can do maybe in a, you know, via newsletter or any other. So, Jane, when you had that original idea of podcast and it was for all to see on the notice board, what did you think it might become? What was your vision or how far did it stretch? Well, it wasn't, you know, one of our difficulties is how you turn very big corporate things into something that people will engage in. And that's what I always loved about podcasts is that they're entertaining and they're engaging and you learn and you learn when you're not really learning, you're listening. and. You know, Ruth and I have this conversation all the time is how do we turn that big, difficult stuff into something that staff will go, oh, yeah, that's me. It applies to me. That matters to me. Um, and I mean, Ruth's example of the PPE was perfect. You know, PPE was a big, scary concept. When you turn it into, you know, this is why and this is what we need to do. Suddenly, you know, suddenly it lives and breathes. So my original, you know, well, my our original idea was, um, was, a, was a broad but, you know, how do we engage with staff, right? It is the hardest thing in the world. Anybody who works in public sector communications, that is the thing. Um, and there's no one thing. There's lots of things. Um, so the long-term conceptual thing, which was no way formed, there was no plan, there was nothing on a page. It was just, could this be something that we might use to translate what we want corporately into a language that staff would get? would understand um and that was it i mean there was there was really no it was just this is a thing what can we do with it and actually i think what um what we've discovered in the year actually you can do lots with it and i'm not even sure we have even tapped the potential of it um what covid did was give us what covid did was give us that very important thing was it gave it it gave us a root in and a leg in and a focus that's what COVID did with it. it. Instead of it being something that was so vast, you weren't sure what you'd do with it. It became something that actually was so specific. We knew what we could do with it. That's what COVID did. And that's why it was able to move. And I mean, I don't think we've even tapped what we can do with it. Ruth. I'm sure you probably agree. Um, it's It's been the, the quickest learning tool ever. So what do we do with it now? So, Ruth, on that, uh, it was to serve a communications need specifically 
internal comms, reach staff um, with speech content, as Jane so uh, rightly puts, that is accessible, that's engaging, it's entertaining, and you're learning without even thinking that you're learning, and it's memorable, the knowledge is memorable. What did you call the podcast and you know what were initial reactions in, in getting it out? It's called Southpod. So anybody <laughs> watching can subscribe and I'm afraid again, like a lot of things that Jane and I do, if we, we were having a cup of coffee going, what do we call it? There were about three options <laughs> and we went with that one. So it, it has kind of stuck, but it resonates with people and they, they've liked it. Um, I, I think the point that you're making about education is a really good one. It's that you're learning, but you don't know you are. And it's something like 40% of people listen to podcasts for that very reason. So aside from entertainment and all of the other things that we listen to our podcasts for, education is a big one. And that's particularly um, amongst younger listeners, my four-year-olds particularly use it for that reason. And when you look at the profile of our staff, that's exactly what we need to do. So where the pre-COVID, where we used to maybe train people in PPE, how you put it on and take it off, they were all in a big room. And of course, we can't do that anymore. Social distancing has blown that out of the window. So we had to use this as a channel to say the same things, but in a different way. Um, and the other thing that has happened over the year with COVID is people are absolutely sick here. And we're all sick of hearing hands, face, space, keep your distance, don't go out, stay at home, all of that. The messaging becomes tired. But what the podcast allows you to do is to tap into those experts within your organization. And you've got a different voice communicating the same message. So it just brings that extra perspective to it. You're able to look at it from a different point of view. And people love to listen. I mean, we I don't know where you, I do the ironing and I have a podcast on. Or for those healthy people that tend to climb hills or you know go running or whatever that might be. I'm not one of them. But it's it's that ability to just listen in at a time that suits you. It's the it's the Netflix behavior. You can on demand pick your podcast, decide when you're going to listen to it. And people binge. I mean, I binge on it with a big pile of iron, and I've maybe got three of them on in the background. So I think that, as surprisingly, that's what has happened with ours, and the feedback from staff has been great. And um, that this is a thing. So it has grown and grown over the year, and we've become more accustomed to doing them. And I really, I, I don't see us stopping it. Um, just because you know we, we would come back to some sort of normality. Um, if anything, it has evolved and grown. I don't know what you think, Jane. Um, maybe it would agree into it. There's now um, the, the friend of, of the podcast. We've moved into Trust TV, which is very new. <laughs> very scary and very new, but 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 the next logical, because actually on the board here, not only does it say podcast, but it said vodcast. I had no idea when I wrote that what a vodcast would look like but it just sounded like something we might do. And lo and behold, here it is. Um, and I think, uh, do you know, one of the barriers is getting over there. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I'm not sure. But actually, when you go diving in with both feet and you're prepared to set your inhibitions aside and just do it, it is amazing what you will end up with. I mean, and what Ruth says there about the, the professional staff, we have some brilliant staff you are so engaging in how they explain things. And honestly, it's worth, it is worth so much to get that. And we now have it. And you mentioned Trust TV. I absolutely am obsessed with that name. And I had a look at it before this interview. I mean, really are owning your own conversation and you really are owning your own subject matter. Um, Ruth described the podcast giving you an opportunity to share 
a range of expert voices so that the message can be delivered by multiple people. But did you find that as a result of the podcast and now stepping into podcasts, that your colleagues and subject matter experts are more inclined to to have that conversation with you because it is authentic and it's less staged and you know they don't have that fear factor are you getting more people to engage in comms internally um i think we have established a really good cohort of people who who will now who are not scared of it and i mean relatively senior people in the organization mostly but not exclusively but their voices in this last six, nine months have been so important. I mean, internally important, externally important, because if we do it internally with them and they're confident in it, our ability to then move them into a much maybe more scary external is actually improved. And, and I mean, I have one and I'll not name who it is, but he did internal stuff. He did some interviews with us. We're brilliant. He's now done externally most media channels in Northern Ireland, and he is absolutely brilliant. A really good educator um, in a very simple way. So so we can develop internally and we win internally, but we also win externally then. And I think more and more people are coming on board with us because, you know, it's, it's gentle. We're not exposing them. We're not scaring them. We're not doing it to make fun of them. We're doing them because you're an expert. Tell us. And I think in, we have overcome more inhibitions in the last year than I think we would have done in 10 years if we had been working in a normal environment. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure Ruth, you know, Ruth worked with, you know, infection control, our infection control staff has done huge amounts of work with them. And I would say now, you know, they are well known throughout the trust in a way they probably wouldn't have been. Um, and their ability to take what they think and turn it into what we need you to do is is has been exceptional in this last year and their development in a year. And I think it's now rolling over into elsewhere in the organization because people are seeing what you can get. And now they think, I want a piece of that. Yeah, and you you really have got what's really difficult to achieve is buy-in, buy-in from staff, buy-in from your subject matter experts. But Ruth, this has gone, you know, gone beyond an internal communications channel. There's now an external appetite for it. Tell us about that. Yes, well, initially we had really seen this as a channel largely to communicate with our own staff. But what has happened is... Just as Jane has described, it's very easy for us um, and easy for our staff to engage in this way and to explain sometimes very difficult um, subject matter to just lets you have a deeper dive at it and explore it in more detail. And one of the examples might be um, vaccine efficacy, vaccine hesitancy. I mean, we've got the whole world has been talking about vaccines for the last number of months and some people have been a wee bit anxious about it. That leads to uh, misinformation out there. And it's really important then for the trust to become that, uh, to play its part in communicating those broader public health messages, to be that voice of trust and transparency that people will look to us to find out the truth behind the matter. So we, we use the podcast then, we're actually in the middle of a phase about vaccines and vaccine safety. Uh, one of our senior paediatricians is very, very passionate about this. And so she has been speaking about um sort of some of the myths or worries that people might have, but what the truth and the science is behind them. So really just allaying some of those fears that people might have before they'd come forward to get their vaccine. And that had huge response then obviously publicly because the vaccine applies to all of us. 
Um, and I mean, it was, it's been retweeted, for example, by our own health minister here, whenever we push that podcast out then. Um, the one thing that I think we have learned through yourself is the, the repurposability, is that a word, of a podcast um, where you call that the long form content. I think that that's what we're trying to achieve. And we're just starting out, but with the podcast and with Trust TV, it's a, a limited amount of effort at the start, but you get a really good piece of work. So you've got a video and an audio piece of work. And from that, we can chop and change and edit it and make it work for all of our other channels, be that social media where you can have a clip with the link embedded that takes you through to the podcast. We can split it up into sections and maybe run it as a series in our newsletters. Um, so certainly that's something that we have found very useful. You, it's, it's really well-invested time. You get the long-form content at the start. And then all of our campaigns and other materials flow from that. So, yes, what started out as a, an internal podcast around specific issues has grown and grown and grown. And I hope it continues to do so. Jane, one of the cool things about a podcast is that it's, it's a piece of media, but it's a piece of controlled media in a way. So, again, encouraging your senior leaders um, other subject matter experts that might not be official spokespersons that might not might, might they may not do the mainstream press tv or radio interviews you can broaden your net how have people reacted to a podcast do they feel safer um in that in that environment i think the um the thing about a podcast i mean in any content that we largely control is that we can we can create a safe space for people and you know, because it is, you know, it's internal, we control it, we run it, we edit it. Um, I think staff who may be reluctant feel that we can look after them. And we're not out to make fun of them or to make them make mistakes. We're we're out, as, as in any media, to make people be the best of themselves. And and I think that if because we can do it, they feel, you know, I think some of our staff feel that they feel much more comfortable and safe in that environment than they might do if it was an external environment. So it allows them a safe place to practice. It allows them a safe place to feel confident, to, you know, people, I mean, these are really good staff doing brilliant jobs, but this is not their world. So if we can help them be themselves, be their brilliant selves in an environment, and we can make them safe to do that, I think they win, we win, internally we win, and I think it's feeding into an external conversation that is, I think, certainly in the last two months when we've been under so much pressure, I think our external conversation has been really strong. I think our staff have been really good where we've used them, and I think a lot of that has been because we've been able to to bring them through internally, help them feel safe, and then to really be what they are, which is brilliant. Um, doing what they do um, and our job is to help them do that safely and I think that's what the um, that's what the podcast and Trust TV to a lesser extent because it's not as well developed has allowed us has allowed them to be and has allowed us to help them be that makes sense I'm quite fascinated that you ladies kind of opened this interview with the fact that podcast was on the notice board you'd been looking at it and you wanted everybody else to see the word podcast then you said covid happened and that changed the world and like you're in a frontline health provider you know you're the southern health trust and while many other organizations might say we're in a pandemic this is not the time for a podcast 
you actually just totally embraced it because you looked at the communication need as opposed to looking at workload. And sometimes that's a message that I try and deliver. Who is this piece of comms for? Is it for us or is it for the receiver? And like I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed by by the attitude. And Ruth, I'll put this question to you. People will be, will be watching this. They'll be enthused. They'll be they'll be excited. But I know from my experience, and even you know, you know from your experience, that one of the biggest stumbling blocks is that takes so much time, and it's another thing to do. What would you say to to those reluctant podcasters? No, I, I suppose we all have that idea. There's my nervousness of something new. To my total surprise, this is actually really easy. Um, it was an easy thing to start and an easy thing to keep going. And the unexpected benefits of this are just what it, what I said earlier. When you put that wee bit of effort in, devise the interview, we've got a format that we follow now using a stand, standard set of templates and we just roll them out. Um, I think that the spin-off benefits that we hadn't envisaged either are how much, um, I mean, our social media is followed by traditional media. And these have triggered all sorts of other stories. We had one of our porters interviewed by um, Prince uh, William a couple of weeks ago, just because of part of his involvement with COVID. And we pushed that out via Trust TV, and that was picked up by the media. We've had all sorts of other things that have featured in podcasts. We had a gentleman um, who had recovered from COVID and was been treated by our allied health professionals from all of their different, so whether it was physio or speech and language therapy um, and dietetics. And the BBC picked up on that story and then they ran a feature. So I think it has so many benefits to doing something that's actually quite straightforward. The, the techno And I'm, the, I'm a complete technophobe. Jane will tell you, I, I can barely switch on the laptop. But for me to be able to do this and record it um, and to have, we have a fantastic team with us then who look after the editing and they do the intros, the outros, and they've done all of that. We've done it all in-house and all we've bought is a microphone. Um, we only got recording Zoom a couple of weeks ago because they were nervous from a cybersecurity point of view. That was the whole thing. So I would definitely, I know that some of our colleagues in Northern Ireland anyway have been in touch wanting to know how are you doing it. They're hoping to replicate it. I think some of them have been in touch with you um, to find out how, how are they doing these things. But it was surprisingly easy. But for our staff and our reasons for doing this we have um we are not frontline and for those of our staff who were at the start of this pandemic carrying pp in the boot of their cars and driving into round whether that's clients from house to house um, our domiciliary care teams for them to do that with the fear that they had because it was fear at that time it was our small part that we could play that did just making sure that we could say we had done every single thing that we possibly could to communicate with them how they kept themselves safe and how they kept their clients safe. And podcasting enabled us to just do that on another level because we could text the link out. Our domiciliary care workers don't have access to a PC or to go and pick up a newsletter, but we could text this direct to their phone and put it on our staff app. And so they could listen and then they can watch the associated video. So it if we played our part in contributing to their safety for a small amount of time investment to start talking the way we are now, it is definitely, definitely a thing worth doing. Uh, speech content is is brilliant. And I'm predicting 2021 to be the year of speech content as the social networks embrace audio. We have Clubhouse, that's a new social network. 
Twitter is emulating Clubhouse with uh, introducing Twitter spaces. Facebook say they're now getting in on the game. And so, Jane, going back to you, you opened this interview with podcast on the notice board. Um, you must feel a sense of, of great pride. Like we're all seasoned comms professionals, right? We've, we've over, you know, a couple of decades, we've, we've kind of done everything in the book. How does podcasting compare, you know, um, in, in your experience to, to other communications methods? Um, I, I mean, you, you talk about a sense of, of pride. I mean, I, I, if I was to look back at the whole of the health service in the last year, I mean, what the health service has delivered as a totality has been astonishing. And we, we are not frontline. Um, but to be able to watch what they did and to be able to in some way help other people understand what they did. So if you're going to ask me about what, what I think about the podcast, I what I think is it has allowed people to understand what I think what we see every day is how fabulous our staff are, right? So so as a, as a f- facilitator to be able to do that and to be able to use what we now have to do that, that's what gives me pride. It's not, you know, oh, look, we developed a podcast. It's what the podcast enabled us to do. And what the podcast has enabled us to do is, number one, explain how hard this year has been what our people have done, how they've done it, how brilliant they are. Um, and I think, it, it, and I, I mean, I do particularly think in the last three months, because our rates were so high, because this last surge was so much worse than the first surge, I think, you know, when I look back dispassionately in the last three months and how hard that was, I can definitely see that the conversations that we were able to have internally and externally, I think, helped turn the understanding of what COVID was doing into the public domain. And I think people understood it. I think they understand it more. And I think some of what we did helped that. So if you're asking about pride, it's 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 less pride and more satisfaction that we've been able to have that conversation. But the point Ruth makes about, you know, it's not really scary when you do it. I have this thing and we have this endless conversation about you put effort in for outcome. So effort in should equal what you get out the other side. And, and I'm very against nugatory work. You put huge amounts of work in, but you don't get what you need out the other side. And you see with podcasts and vodcasts and stuff we've done, I think we've got out multiple what we put in. That would be my, do you know what? So it's 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 pride in a, you know, I think we have a way of working that is delivering us huge outcomes. Um, once you get over the hurdle of, I can't, oh, I don't know how this works. Um satisfaction of what we've been able to do, satisfaction of how we've been able to drive a conversation. Um, but pride in our whole team, because our whole team has been outstanding. I mean, what they have delivered, you know, we might write it on a board and have an idea, but other people need to make it work. So it's it's pride in the whole thing. It's not, it, you know, it's, it's taking a bit of an idea that you have one day and thinking, flip, would not be good, and actually turning it into what it is. My goodness, the level of job satisfaction out of that is probably pretty immeasurable. Yeah, that's so impactful. You know, we heretofore have been relying on, you know, rented comms, which is social, you know, trying to optimize on search because Google owns that space along with YouTube. Traditional media, the narrative is driven by journalists and news outlets. We step into vodcasting and podcasting and you can tell true authentic stories and 
you know, be the be the representative voice and give a voice to all of those staff. Um, Ruth, we'll give the final words to you. Um, where will this podcast be in 12 months? If I get you guys back on the show, what will we be talking about? What's your ambition? Oh, my goodness. I think we're already on our second series. Um, so who knows where it's going to go after this? I think what Jane has hinted at there, um, a lot of what we are having to communicate is often very difficult, very complex, as are many of your audience, Joanne, in the public sector. Often what we're doing is very hard to communicate, but when you're given the space to explain the rationale for why you're doing the things that you're doing, people will understand. And podcasts give us that opportunity. So I don't see it going anywhere other than up. This is a channel and a medium that is growing exponentially globally. And we are just going to keep on building and building in terms of where we're taking ours. So thank you for all that you've taught us in getting us this far. Well, here, listen, you know my line, everything is academic until you put it into action. And that's exactly what you ladies did. So congratulations. Uh, those of you listening or watching, you have to check out South Pod, uh, South Pod. Make sure you subscribe, you rate and review. Also subscribe to Trust TV. And I'm sure I will be inundated with a... a request for introductions to Jane and to Ruth and I'm sure you don't mind if I pass those on to your colleagues in government and public sector not at all okay ladies thanks a million and um I will see you again on your on your on your podcast as I go listen to the next episode <laughs> thank thanks you very much. much level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media plus gain an industry qualification Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. I hope you've been inspired by this theme of podcasting. To help you, make sure that you go back to the website publicsectormarketingpros.com and check out the blog post associated with this podcast. There I have for you my podcasting checklist and I also have the podcasting listenership research of 2020. I will see you on the next show. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform.